You're listening to Colorado Sportscast Podcast. This is the Mortcast featuring Jeff Morton. Now, here's your host, me. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Podcast Network. Um, thank you, as always. Look, Nate recorded a great solo podcast, the last, last podcast. Uh, go ahead and check that out. Um, if you want to get a really good analysis of the trade deadline as Nate was finding out what was happening, um, it's, it's really good. Uh, I would really, really, I think it was one of Nate's better ideas as far as doing a podcast goes, and I really enjoyed listening to it. Uh, even though uh, it is, you know, of the trade deadline, I think you'll enjoy listening to it right now. It was typical Nate Timmons brilliance. So go ahead and check that out. Um, I'm going to try, and as the season progresses for the Nuggets, I'm going to try to bump up the amount of podcasts, that solo podcast that I do, as well as Nate and I trying to get together. And uh, it'll be more than just guests, and hopefully... Fingers crossed, we'll have Ross able to come on and uh, get the old gang back together and uh, really, really kick this thing into high gear as the Nuggets approach the uh, the playoffs this year. And uh, right now, as they sit, they're 40 and 18. Uh, they've uh, already played their first game post All Star break, um, and they managed to beat um, the the Dallas Mavericks. Now, obviously, Dallas is not a elite opponent, uh, but in years past, the Nuggets have uh, struggled first game post-All-Star. And, and I've never been really sure why. Um, Nuggets have never really done well with long layoffs. and uh, But they not only won, they pulled away in the second half, and uh, Luka Doncic did not play, but they pulled away in the uh, second half and really kind of... Uh, uh, were able to put their will onto the game. They got they, Dallas managed to get a little closer uh, in the fourth quarter, but really the game was in no doubt midway through the third, uh, and it was uh, a good win to begin what really is uh, the the final stretch. With uh, now 24 games remaining, the Nuggets start a four-game homestand tonight, uh, or excuse me, this afternoon against the uh, uh, L.A. Clippers. Um, they will be playing at three o'clock mountain time. Love afternoon games. Love them. Uh, especially at Pepsi Center. It's great to leave when, you know, it's still seven o'clock at night as opposed to 11, 12. So yay. Anyway, I um, kind of want to talk about something that, um, has been bugging me since the all-star game. And I think, I think that we can all relate to this as Nuggets fans, but I think we look at it in the wrong way. We think people don't um, respond to Nikola Jokic because he's in Denver. Literally, that I don't think that has anything to do with it. Not anymore. If Giannis Antetokounmpo can uh, be, become who he is, a superstar, in freaking Milwaukee, which is smaller than Denver, then, he's, yeah, then Nikola Jokic should have no problem being a superstar. What has really, really, so Market's not really a part of this, but really has affected him is the fact that he is uh, seven feet tall, um, has no definition of muscle on his entire body, and um, his game is not something that we are used to within the last 10 years. 
So let me give some, throw some examples out there. I was really doing, watching a lot of highlights of older players this, uh, the last, oh, I don't know, week or so since the end of uh, uh, the All-Star uh, game on Saturday. And what it, what occurred to me was Jokic, Jokic bears a lot of resemblance to two players, Bill Walton and Larry Bird. Um, people didn't take Larry Bird seriously until he just started throttling him, right? Uh, people took Bill Walton seriously in the 70s, and injuries basically derailed his what, what was going to be one of an all-timer uh, player's uh, no, no doubt. Those two players, I think, are more fair comparisons with uh, Nikola Jokic than Arvidas Sabonis. Um, the reason I bring that up is, while while Arvidas Sabonis was a uh, great, extremely skilled center, he was taller than Jokic, and he was more of a statue. Uh, Jokic, while he's not what you would call athletic, <laughs> uh, Sabonis was able to work within his limitations and shoot. Um, I said brilliant passer, brilliant passer, but I think that does a disservice to Jokic's skill as, as opposed to, quote, athleticism, as we see. And that brings me to the greater point of this podcast, this mini-podcast, is that what has disappointed me is our addiction, and I really do think it's an addiction, to... Aesthetically pleasing athleticism. Um, it is one of those that has, like I said, nothing to do with market, anything like that. And it's not even to do with uh, Jokic's uh, race. Like people say, well, he's a white guy from Serbia. No, that's nothing to do with it either. It is all athleticism based. Your casual NBA fan is addicted to athleticism. They're used to it because, let's face it, the most skilled athletes on the planet, with due respect to any other sport, are in the NBA. And in a pure athletic sense, you don't get any better than the NBA. You just don't. There's only 400 and some odd positions in the league, and uh, I believe that is the smallest of any of the major professional sports uh, amount of players. So when you really boil it down, it's the elite of the elite. And 99% of the time, even the scrubs who don't get off the bench are far more athletic than anyone you will encounter at any basketball court anywhere. It's just the, that is what the NBA is. Along comes Nikola Jokic, who, as that Canadian uh, reporter said, was a seven-foot bag of milk. You know, we do not have bags of milk in the United States. But that's an appropriate, inappropriate uh, description of him. And he's flipping passes away and doing things that you really aren't supposed to do when you stereotypically look at someone who is supposed to be, you know, seven feet tall and ripped with muscles and all of that. And I really do think that a lot of the aversion to embracing Nikola Jokic as a star has been because of that. Now, Marcus Gasol is another comparison that uh, Jokic gets. Gasol lost a ton of weight, I believe, between his third and fourth seasons or second, right around there. Uh, you Grizzlies fans can uh, uh, 
kind of come come with me and then sin. Tell me what exactly was. And then later in his career, he lost even more weight. And sorry, there is a giant truck going by. Apologize for that. There we go. All right. Um, Mark Gasol was able to do that. And Mark Gasol isn't exactly what you would call ripped. Uh, Gasol is very much a traditional center who can pass. And the fundamental flipping of Jokic as a passing center who can score is not something that you will see in the NBA. And it's not necessarily the skill set. Like, say, for instance, if we took DeAndre Ayton and gave him all of Nikola Jokic's skill, Right? And he does the same fundamental thing that Jokic is doing with the same numbers. Don't you believe that Aiton would be considered, well, first of all, hands-down rookie of the year at that point, and be an all-timer right now? Right. There's no doubt. There is a no doubt. There is, there is something to do with the eye test. And it's not necessarily eye test. I'm talking about aesthetically pleasing. And this has not been a this is not a new phenomenon. This is not something that's indicative of any era. Um, but I will say it has gone into hyper overdrive, and it really began with the um, 2014 Spurs when the well, it's the first time I really heard the uh, the expression beautiful offense where people were ascribing beauty to a team passing the ball. That's the first time I'd really, really heard that because really when you go boils down to it, uh, the NBA is about who has the better players. And that is the first time I've ever heard beauty quote unquote in a, in a stereotypical sense um, applied to a, a, mode of doing offense. And I believe that is one of those, you're not going to be hearing that and seeing that a ton uh, prior to then. Uh, There have been passing games, and the the Nuggets in the 1980s were the passing game. And they passed far more than the the, uh, 2014 Spurs did. Right? But it is a that is the first time the thing was coined that way, and it kind of stuck. So people have been addicted to that kind of beauty. There's beauty to Nikola Jokic's game. There's not beauty to Nikola Jokic, and I think people can't, in a stereotypical sense, and when I mean by beauty, I'm talking about athleticism. So when people are stuck on their view of aesthetics, it becomes fundamentally hard for them to shift gears. They can't, they can't get themselves out of, a, out of a mode with Jokic, and it's going to take some time. Now, I'm going to bring up Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki's always had a great game, always. And in fact, he's always, in, in earlier in his career, extremely aesthetically pleasing. People didn't really begin to take Nowitzki seriously until, A, he went to the finals in 2006, and then by I mean seriously, as in uh, all-timer. 
It didn't take him seriously until he went to the finals in 06, and then it finally was cemented when he won in 2011. And... It really took that for people to finally, fundamentally embrace Dirk Nowitzki as that all-timer. And I think that this may be a similar thing with Nikola Jokic. Everything, uh, as far as stats goes, points you to him being Jokic being great right now. Now that he has finally accepted that, yes, he needs to be the best player on this Nuggets team, and that includes scoring... Once he did that, and that was a decision he made towards the end of last year when he put the team on his back and almost got them to the playoffs, and about 20 games into this year when all the injuries just started piling up and Jokic was, had to shoulder a lot of the burden, that is when he finally, I think, sunk into him that scoring isn't selfish. Once that happened, there was, there's, no, there's no limits now, you know? And I think... I think it'll take the lag is there watching the all-star game, the all-star game coverage and watching specifically NBA players try to interact with Jokic. It was enlightening. They all seemed to like him personally, but they all seemed to struggle with playing with him. specifically Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is used to Steven Adams. And I don't think Westbrook cares for anything Denver-related anyway, but I think that when you watch the two of them on the court together, it was like oil and water. Jokic is used to having having the ball. Westbrook is used to having a big that just rolls to the basket. (coughs) And it just didn't work. To the point where Mike Budenholzer pulled Jokic with probably after playing about three minutes, in the second half, and just went with his players that have been in the game before. And no one blames him, and I don't think Jokic took offense to that, right? It's just it wasn't working. It just didn't work. And it's an exhibition game anyway. You know, players have to really find out how to work with Jokic. So work with a player who is not a point guard who is going to be the guy who that controls the flow and dictates what happens on offense. That is just fundamentally different than what they're used to. And I think that once... Once people understand what is Jokic, and I'm starting with the players now, I believe the NBA players look at Jokic like he's a center who just happened to pass. And when he drops, you know, 25, 10, and 15 on him, or 25, 15, and 10, vice versa, they look around and go, oh, how did that happen? Well, it's because Jokic is really good. And once it begins to sink in with NBA players, their regard for him will change. Once they, once they really start understanding what all Nuggets fans who have watched Jokic over the years have known, that he is this good because of skill, the aesthetics will start to change. The NBA, you know, casual fan, is they may never come on, on board with Jokic. They may never do it. Which is fine. Which is fine. Jokic doesn't need it. You know, you can make all-star games without being voted in. And you can make all NBA teams without being voted without being voted in by fans. He doesn't need that. But what dealing with that crap on Twitter, you see it and you see it during games where people just, just don't get it. They don't get it because of he's goofy, 
is not athletic, and that is just so, it's the antithesis of what they have been used to seeing, not as a center, but just in general appearance of someone, they just don't get it. And that's why. But it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you why that is. And I think we have become, as a NBA viewing public, we have become addicted to aesthetically pleasing athleticism. You know, athleticism doesn't equal good basketball player. Athleticism equals athletics, right? The ones that combine athletics and IQ, kind of like uh, Giannis, and, uh, you know, some other, uh, you know, just people who are able to do that are the ones that get it. The ones that are able to really understand what it takes. And one of the reasons, and this is, I'm going to be controversial here. If LeBron James wasn't obsessed with branding and team building by himself, he would have joined the Denver Nuggets in two seconds last offseason. If LeBron James was okay with not being his own fulcrum, he would have joined the Denver Nuggets. Imagine this Nuggets team with LeBron James and Nicole Jokic. If LeBron was able to give up some of his offensive initiating and be able to be able to understand how good, because I really, as a core, and I've noticed this as I've seen LeBron's interactions with Jokic, he doesn't get him. He doesn't get Jokic. And I did, and I think that's a fault of LeBron. All right. LeBron's got a, a great memory, but he doesn't have a great memory of when Jokic backed him down, posted him up and scored in Denver a couple of years ago. He doesn't remember these things, but he play doesn't. And then I think that kind of went in with him not choosing him for Tim team LeBron. LeBron James doesn't get him. And I think once LeBron gets him, players will come along. But I always look at that in the free agency last year. So like LeBron, the, the, the logical decision was for you to go to Denver. That was the logical decision. But free agency is not about logic, as we have found out. So, anyway, that's my mini rant this week. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to do about two a week. Um, after this, I'll, I'll be loading up another one probably either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, the Nuggets will have played, uh, I believe, two games by that point. Two more games, home games. Uh, so there's a big stretch of games coming up for the Nuggets, and we'll see how they handle it. Uh, this really is crunch time, uh, and it's it's up to Nikola Jokic, Isaiah Thomas, Paul Millsap, uh, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, uh, Monte Morris, all the guys, Malik Beasley, all the people who have come in and really just performed so well to get this team at 40 and 18. Uh, it's been a great year. I look for it to be even greater as we go on. I'll be talking to you guys in a couple days. Ta-da!